worship was you. We're just gonna open up with a scripture real quick. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. So let's just worship him in whatever circumstances that you have going on in your life right now. You know, when we worship, not only are we blessing his name, but he also moves in our worship. The tribe of Judah would go before a battle and worship in the presence of Jesus. So if you're going through a battle, let's praise him, knowing that he's gonna meet us right where we are. And that's what this first song's all about. Lord, we just welcome you here. Come and rest here, Lord. There is always a reason to just give you our, all of our praise because you are good, because you are worthy, and we love you, Father. Just come right now in the name of Jesus. I'm at my head. You're just getting started. When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker. It's just got to are still faithful when I'm at my worst you are still good and all of my questions you are the answer it all points to you cause you're the God of the breakthrough when I'm breaking down you'll be working a way through when there's no way out one thing I know you're still on your throne so whatever I'm feeling I still got a reason to praise 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 and out of my wrongs you write a story out of the cross rivers of grace out of the grave bursts of revival no two can contain cause you're the God of the breakthrough and I'm breaking down you'll be working a way through and there's no way out this one thing I know you're still on your Soldiers start rolling away. 
just erupted to praise. And when you come around, the dry bones come to life. Deserts to paradise, soldiers start rolling away. And when you come around, the heart starts to beat again. Long stretch to breathe you in. Doors just erupted to praise. You're the God of the breakthrough. When I'm breaking down, you'll be working a way through. When there's no way out, this one thing I know, you're still on your throne. So whatever I'm feeling, I still got a reason to praise.
revival pour it out pour it out every stronghold will crumble I hear the chains hit the ground oh God of revival pour it out pour it out come awaken your people come awaken this
Well, good morning, church. Good to see you on this wonderful Sunday morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look fabulous today. Let them know. Absolutely fabulous. And you're, you're not lying. You're not lying. That's the truth. It's the truth. Well, it's good to have you. Um, let's take up tithe and offering. If you have uh, giving today, tithe 10% of the increase of your life or offering, something the Lord puts on your heart to give above and beyond that. You can prepare that. Offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. Uh, if there's not one there, you can wave your hand around and they will... The ushers will get you one. Ushers also have prayer cards. We love to pray. We're a Pray First Church, so if you have a prayer need, uh, ask for one of those uh, and uh, fill it out and turn it in to me or one of the ushers at the church, and we will pray for that tomorrow night at church-wide prayer, but also I'll keep it in my personal prayer too. So uh, we're a praying church. So please fill those out if you have a prayer need today. Um, let me pray we tithe an offering, and if you have something, you can bring it down to these, uh, I guess they're baskets down here, something like that. Lord, we thank you to come to your house today to be with you, to worship. Jesus, you're so wonderful, so good. We thank you for saving us. And we thank you, Lord, for teaching us what it means to be like you. And Lord, when we do that, Lord, we honor you with every part of, of who we are, and that includes our finances. Lord, as we give today, we're just basically saying our finances don't rule us, but you rule our finances, and you are our provider. And I thank you, Lord, for so many times you've made ways where there seemed to be no way. So as we give today, we are people of faith, faith in you, because you will never fail us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and we all say Amen, amen. So if you have something, you can bring it down. I have a handful of announcements, uh, so, so roll with me here for a minute. Tonight at 6 o'clock, 5th through 12th grade, we have uh, Youth Hangout Squared right here. It's a service just for young people. We'll have some pizza. We'll have some worship. I'm going to share a message with them and have some fun too. But if you're 5th through 12th grade, tonight at 6 o'clock, and it'll go till uh, a little bit past 7 o'clock. So parents, you can drop them off and, and head back and come back and get them. Or you can hang out too if you want to. So uh, that's tonight. So have, have your young person here and have them bring some friends too, okay? So it'll be a good time for them. Uh, don't forget, obviously, church-wide prayer tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, so be here for that. Uh, we have uh, Joy Fellowship uh, next Sunday, 5 o'clock. So Bill and Patsy, wave your hand around if you want more information about that small group. See them. Mike, before you leave, tell them about the Sycamore House Bowling Fundraiser real quick. Yeah, tell them real fast. night not long ago most of you don't qualify okay i'm, I'm kidding i'm joking <laughs> i'm joking 
Anybody can do this. So we, they would love to have a team from our church. There's a flyer on the back wall about it, so if you want to check it out. But see Mike for details, okay? I haven't announced this yet. It's the first time we're throwing it out. So please talk to Mike about it. We'd love to support the Sycamore House, okay? Uh, don't forget Women's Bonfire, October the 28th, okay? 6 o'clock at the Brown Residence. Uh, that's two weeks from yesterday, so that's 6 o'clock. So all the ladies in the house, that's for you. If you want more details, just see Margo about it, and we'll give you more details next Sunday. Uh, let's see, there's the shoebox right there. Hold that up, Margo. I know lots of announcements. Uh, if, if you're uh, interested in doing this or are participating, don't forget these are due by November the 12th, okay? Again, if you want more information, See Bill and Patsy about that. It's a wonderful thing where these shoeboxes are shipped around the world with the gospel to bless kids at Christmas that wouldn't have a Christmas otherwise. Okay, so that's what that's about. And uh, two more announcements. Uh, today, right after church, this church is done. If you're interested, Bill and Patsy and Tom, uh, they'd like to talk to you guys about an issue coming up on the ballot uh, in our voting concerning abortion. So it's a big issue. It's an important issue to understand what's going on with it, okay? Uh, so if you want more information about that when church is over, come right here in this section, and they will meet you here and talk to you about it, okay? So, again, it concerns abortion. It's a big thing. So please uh, uh, stay after church and do that. And last but not least... Um, if you haven't seen, on Thursday morning, uh, Pastor Peter Dostick passed away and went to be with Jesus. Um, uh, funerals this coming Friday at the Botkins Church. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of tongue-tied about the whole thing. I've been with Pastor for 26 years. He's been my pastor. And um, I, could, I could stand up here for a couple hours talk to you about him and the impact, not only in my life, but... Certainly the church, the Bakken church is, wow, it's over 40 years old now. It's an old church. It's been around, but, but he's been the catalyst this whole time. The church started in a one-room building with a dirt floor. And believe it or not, people came to church. There wasn't a working bathroom, I don't believe. There wasn't really any heat or air in the place. But people came out to church because God was showing up. And the church grew and became what it is. And all of our campus churches are founded by him. He desired to have a church in Urbana. The church was planted here. He's the spiritual father of this church, and this church would not be here without him. Um, it's, just, it's just a tough time for everybody, but at the same time, he said that he wanted to go home, and that's what happened. So the opportunity to be with him Thursday, and uh, Pastor gave his life to the ministry, not only in pastoring, but he's traveled the world with the gospel, uh, he's not only a pastor, but he was an evangelist. Um, his travel schedule was crazy. He literally gave his body, his life, for the gospel. And, and one of the reasons I was around was so when he traveled, I could help keep the churches moving and functioning and founded when he was gone. But I was a youth pastor for a long time for him. But um, most generous man I've ever met. And I was just thinking while we were worshiping, it, it was I think it was last year, Maybe the year before, we were at Farmer's Daughter having lunch. And just to give you an idea of who he, who he was, and there was a, a couple in the restaurant that we knew, and we talked to him, and we left. And I was driving, I pulled out, and he looked at me, he said, hey, did you pay for their lunch? I said, no, I didn't think about it. And he, he just, he just kind of went, like, like, what are you thinking? Why, why would you not do that? So I said, okay. I, I, turned, I turned the car around. I went back in the restaurant, and I, I paid for their lunch. But he constantly 
was doing. He wasn't just a from the pulpit person. He was in private exactly who he was in the pulpit, and he did not. And he he preached the gospel unapologetically, unapologetically, and he lived his calling to the last day. And um, I think he preached in the, in the church maybe just two months ago before he just wasn't able to to do it any longer. But anyways. Uh, we're going to honor him on Friday. But, but just tell you this, there's no question that nothing's changing. I'm just saying that right now. Nothing's changing. Church is going to be here. That church is going to be there. Dayton church is going to be there. Kenton church is going to be there. We're just going to keep rolling because if he thought anywise, otherwise than that, I'm not sure if it's he'd be possible, but somehow, some way, he'd grab a hold of us and just say, what is wrong with you? It, that, that we were sitting here talking like this, he's probably sitting up there rolling his eyes, like, please, just, just have church. That's what he's probably thinking. So, anyways, uh, he meant so much to me. So, anyhow, we're here having church. Amen. We're going to honor him Friday. It's going to be a tough week in the office this week, but the gospel is going to keep going. The churches are going to keep growing. And the legacy of what he did is simply going to going to live on. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, good deal. So high five your neighbor and get your Bible out at the same time. All right. We are going to get into the word. Thank you, Samara. Pat, Pastor was, was <laughs> he, he was a very on the spur moment being as generous as he was. Like he would at times, like on, on just an office weekday, he would come into the office and say, hey, hey, go for a ride with me. And I'd jump in his car and we're driving. Where are we going? Oh, well, I'm, we're going to Cincinnati. I'm just like, okay, uh, maybe can I tell somebody I'm going to be gone for the whole day now? It's just the way he was. Um, he often would call me and say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this. And he'd go, go home. Pastor, I can't. He said, go home. He said, you will not give your physical body to this church. Okay, I'll go. And I'm going to miss the calls telling me to go home. I'll miss the calls after church. Hey, how'd church go today? And we talk about how it went there and how it go here. And it's just, uh, and, and he was a deer hunter, if you didn't know. So uh, at this time of year, we're always talking about deer hunting, always looking for a deer that he supposedly shot. That happened a lot. Um, but uh, anyways. So my heart's full, and uh, but we're going to do what, what he dedicated his life to. So let's get into the word. Genesis chapter 3. He actually told me, one, told me to go home one time, and I said, I can't. He said, if you don't go home, I'm going to fire you. I was like, okay, I'll go home. So, <laughs> oh, man. Genesis chapter 3. I, I want to do a series for a little bit called Questions. Over the years, I've had, and I still have a lot of questions that I ask God. How many have questions you've ever asked God? Okay, and some, some of those questions I've come to answers to, and some of them I have not, i am be honest. There's some, things that, there's some things that when I get to go see Jesus, I'm going to hope to get a moment and say, okay, I've got, I've got some things I need to know. Because I think we all have questions uh, living our faith uh, as it is into world, in the world today. But we're not going to talk about your questions because if you go through the scriptures, you will find 
that God and Jesus ask questions of other people. Actually, well over 100 times are the questions in the Bible where God asks a question of a person or Jesus asks a question of somebody. I think, I think we often want our questions answered, but I think maybe we need to pay attention to the questions that they ask. Because the questions they ask are trying to get us to see something and understand something and live something. So we're going to spend some time uh, jumping into some questions that we find in the Bible that God asks or that Jesus asks. We're starting right at the front of the Bible, Genesis chapter number 3. And go to verse number 8. Now, we know that God is the creator. In the beginning, God created, and he made the earth as it is. He created the wildlife, all the things that we see in nature. He made it. And then at the end of it, he made man, and certainly out of man, he makes woman. So there is relationship. And in Genesis chapter 3, we find the fracturing of that relationship. In verse number 8, and they, Adam and Eve, Heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? There's a question. And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, God said, here comes another question. Who told you that you were naked? Here comes another question. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Now we find some blame shifting here in the Bible. And the man said, the woman, Eve, whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, now here's another question. What is this that you have done? And the woman, now a little more blame shifting here, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Here we find uh, God did command. And by the way, he he did this before Eve was, was made. So he told Adam, okay, you can have anything you see in the garden, but there's a tree right in the middle, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. You may not partake of that because if you do, you will surely die. That's what he told Adam. So you can imagine God makes and he sets order. And the only thing you can imagine, the only thing you're not allowed to do, because Adam's conscience was clear, the only thing you're not allowed to do is eat of this one tree. Now, this was a garden. I'm sure there were a lot of trees in there, a lot of good trees that had good fruit that were very satisfying. God would not bring a temptation in such a way that he wouldn't provide another way. It wasn't like, well, there's nothing else to eat, but you can't eat that. He had plenty of provision for him and just said, just don't do this. But, of course, then we know the serpent comes, the the devil, the enemy. And he comes to Eve, and and let's let's just jump back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse number, uh, I'm sorry, let's let's just jump, let's just stay in chapter 3. Let's go to verse number 1. Genesis chapter 3, 1 said, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now, those questions we just read that God asked, 
are not the first questions we find in the Bible, but this is the very first question that we find in the Bible. And he said to the woman, the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, Eve wasn't there when God originally said it, but Adam passed the news on. And she knew. When, when the serpent questioned, hey, did God really say she knew? She said, well, yeah, God's actually said. You, you, we can't do that because if we do, we will die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the devil likes to question too. And what the enemy would like to do is nothing more than have you question what God has said. He'd like you to question what the scriptures say. Now, we, we need a good hermeneutic. We need a good, solid, uh, balanced interpretation of the Bible. But he'd like you to question what the message of the word is and what the Bible is saying. He, he'd like you to question you, what the scriptures had to say about you. He'd like you to question your salvation. He'd like to question the fact that you're forgiven. He'd like to question specific things maybe that God has led you in in your life, your callings and your giftings. He would like to twist things. He would like to instill doubt. He would like to have you question God's authority. He simply wants you to go against what God has said. The devil started it right here, and it still festers today in humanity. Now, it's not that you ever can't have a question for God. I have questions. But what those questions begin to do makes the difference. Did God really say? See, see, God establishes always in front of us. He doesn't leave ambiguity. There you go, ambiguity. Got me there. In other words, God is always first, and then the enemy tries to question what God has set. So it's always how will you respond? See, the serpent simply defies what God said, and Eve was deceived. Eve bought in, and she and Adam ate of the tree. And by the way, Adam wasn't duped by her. He was with her. He knew what they were doing, and he went along with her. See, the first response to eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their nakedness brought them shame. They hid because no longer was what was innocent now still innocent. See, covenant was broken, and now fear had set in. So when God is walking in the garden, they hid from him. See, no longer was temptation now just simply resting outside of man, but now it began to be within them. So God comes, and he comes walking in the cool of the day in the garden. 
And um, four questions he asks in response to the question that Eve was given by the enemy. And these questions that God asks aren't because he doesn't know. Okay, God's not ignorant of the situation. God walking in the garden knew what happened. But whenever God asks a question, he's trying to get you to look at yourself. And he wants to bring some things out so you begin to understand. So those questions, and, and Justice, there's a, there's a slide back there with four, four things on it. The questions are, where are you? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I command you not to eat from? And then he looks at Eve and says, why have you done this? And those questions are wrapped up in relationship. They're wrapped up in source. They're wrapped up in obedience. And they're wrapped up in personal accountability. See, when God is walking through the garden, and he says, hey, where are you? He knew where they were. It wasn't like this, this the, it wasn't the first game of hide and seek, all right? God didn't go hide something, count to 100, and they're running around hiding somewhere in the garden, and he's looking for them behind the trees and moving bushes. No, he knew where they were. But the disconnect of their hearts, why are you hiding? First of all, you can't hide from me. You know you can't hide from God. God knows right where your heart is at. He knows right the state of your heart. You can't hide from him. But even though you feel like you may be able to hide from him, he seeks you out. Now, again, I don't believe that God was ignorant of what happened, but yet he still comes in the cool of the day and walks in the garden. God because he is of love, will always seek you out. Amen. And you can't hide from him. He's after your heart. And, and the God who seeks you out does so because he's the God of relationship. Where are you? So when Adam and Eve did what they did, they disobeyed the one command that they had. Relationship was wrecked. But because God is who he is, he seeks them out anyways because he's a God that desires relationship. In other words, Adam and Eve, when they were created, it wasn't just something fun that God did. Well, what can I do today? I'm going to make these creatures that, that uh, are like me in nature, have ability to understand relationship, higher than the animals, right? And he makes them for divine specific purpose. Because love has action, now love has people. And God desires relationship. So, God, where are you? The question he asks is a question of relationship. And he, he asks us that all the time. Where are you? Are, are you seeking me in return of my seeking of you? Where are you? 
When things get involved in your life that are distracting you, or, or maybe it's sin, it's getting in the way, he asks, hey, where are you? Because he knows there's something that's off. He knows it. Can't hide from him. So God, the God of relationship, desires that there actually is relationship. God walking in the cool of the day, uh, and it's probably not the first time I'm assuming that that happened. It wasn't like this was the first time he came down. There was prior ongoing relationship, or else why would God have made them? That's what he desires. That, that he would consistently walk in the cool of the day with you. Because there's nobody here that is random. There's nobody here that is an afterthought. There's nobody here that, well, I got done doing all the good stuff, but I have some material left over, so here you are. You are here by divine purpose, breathing and living and alive. And the reason you're here is because relationship. Where are you? Don't try and hide from me. Let's work this out. Let's make this right. That's what he's asking. And then the second question is, uh, who told you that you were naked? In other words, who are you listening to instead of me? Who is your source? Because if you want right relationship with God, you've got to understand that he's the source. Who's trying to take you in a different way than what I have set up? Why are you listening to somebody other than me? See, God is the only true source. Now, there are other sources out there, right? The enemy was a source in this situation. No source that you have will live up to who God is as your source, right? So this past Wednesday night, we were, we were talking about somebody uh, in, in um, uh, the questions that you asked that we're addressing on Wednesday nights, things you asked for is the series, and talking about hearing the voice of God and being led by God. You can listen to a lot of other things in your life. I suggest you listen to him. And anytime there's a source out there that contradicts what God has said, don't listen to it. Why? Well, I'd like to know that. Maybe there's a reason you shouldn't. Right? Maybe God's wisdom is beyond our wisdom. So when he has something like, don't eat of that tree, even though it looks good, you have all these questions, why not? What's the big deal, Right? Then I go, but God is my source, so I'm going to listen to him. And don't dance around with the questions of, well, did he really say? Is it really that big of a deal? What's the harm, right? That God remains the source of your life through all things because he knows the best. Have you given your life to him in that way? 
that you trust him enough that he knows the best. So the question that I have that I haven't come to a conclusion in my own heart about, that I'm going to get to heaven someday and ask him, okay? I have chosen to live in a faith, a trust, that the things that I don't understand, that's okay. You see what I'm getting at? That I trust him that he's God, and if he chooses to give me an answer there, he will. If not, if I don't come to a, a, a conclusion in my heart about it, that I'm still going to keep trusting him because he's God. And at some point, I may, maybe I'll never understand. I don't know. But when you follow him, you often worship beyond your understanding. You worship beyond your understanding. If, if I had to figure it all out, and some people try to do this, by the way. If I had to figure it all out before I gave my life to Jesus, I would have never given it to him. Because I'm not going to figure it out. And, and it's not just, not just questions that I have. But being a pastor, I get asked questions all the time. You know what, you know what, I, you know what I learned early on? I learned very early on to not try to be the Bible answer man. I learned very early on to be honest and sometimes say, I don't know. I learned very early on that I don't have to defend him all the time. He's God. He can defend himself. I learned very early on to be honest. Say, I just, I wish I knew that, that answer too. I have that exact same question, by the way. But yeah, I have enough evidence on the other side that God is God. He does what he does, and he's been leading me in the life, and he's, he's a good God. Amen. So I always come back to him as a source, even when I don't get it. That God will remain my source. So he doesn't have to come to me and say, well, who told you that? I didn't say that. I didn't expose that to you. Where did that come from? I'm getting at. But th then the next question, and here's rubber meets the road for a lot of people. God directly asked, did you eat of the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Because rubber meets the road question, God is, are you going to obey me? And this is what a lot of people don't like. They want to do this Christian thing on our own terms. I'll do this, but I'm not sure about that. I like this because it benefits me, but I'm not sure about that. You know, you blessing me is great, God, but this whole picking up my cross every day, I don't know about that. See, when you trust him as your source, then you have to obey him. When you say you really are God and you know best, so when you tell me don't eat the tree, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, Obedience comes because of trust. But the working out of all things happens in, in one way because we simply obey. So we come to places in life of revelation, things that God is asking. We must respond to him. Because what happens is then after that is so God asked, did you eat of the tree 
And notice Adam, the wonderful guy and husband that he is. It was the woman. It, I'm telling you, I'm not sure if he hem hauled around. It doesn't say, well, I don't, he, he, but it just seems like he just went right there, God, <laughs> right here. This, this woman you gave me, he even said it was you. You gave her to me. She did this. And God, okay, and, and what did he say to Eve? What is this you have done? He went direct personal with her. The Christian faith comes to an understanding that each one of us has personal accountability before him. And you can't remove it. Because notice, notice then when she said, well, the serpent deceived me. Okay, well, we'll talk about this whole blame shifting thing in a second. But Eve was personally accountable for her actions. See that? He, he directly asked her, you are personally accountable for your actions and your responses in whether or not in obedience to the things that you know he has said. And listen to me. This is an unescapable reality. That's why some of the stuff we talk about is so important. Because the accountability comes down to, okay, so now there is sin. The sin came because of disobedience. The only way we're ultimately going to clean this up is because there's got to be a response to the work I'm going to do to get you out of this mess. And that involves you following the guy to come, Jesus, and allowing him to shape your life, but you can't do it unless there's some obedience involved because he's going to say, look, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, your questions, your wonders, things you don't like, and pick up your cross and follow me. That's obedience. And you can't get around it. Listen to me. The Bible says... You can go all the way to Revelation and read this. That each one of us will stand before the Lord and give an account for the actions of what we have done. And that includes Christians too. You're not being judged for whether or not you have denied him. You're being judged for what you have done anyways. You know that. The Bible says that. We're accountable. And you've got to start thinking about life a little bit that way. You've got, you've got to get into your heart. But see, the whole, whole thing about obedience, this is what rubs people the wrong way. Well, God is this taskmaster. And, no, no, no. It is about you finding freedom from sin. He wants to get you out of the mess, but he can't unless you obey him. Obe disobedience keeps you in the mess that he's trying to save you from. You see that? It's not a taskmaster. It's freedom. And you've got to get, get that in your heart. But notice that Adam blames the Eve. Eve blames the serpent. Then God judges all three of them. Back to that personal accountability thing. You can't blame shift accountability off your life. I, I need that to get in your heart. I have, listen, I have a great amount of empathy for the situations that you come through in your life, they shaped you a certain way. They do. But there's, there, there, there's going to be 
places of revelation and growth in you that can help you in spite of your past. That God's grace will work in his accountability on your life, but you can't use your past as an excuse to stay where you're at and act a certain way. And I believe that God can deliver you from your past too. And you can't use that as an excuse. So don't blame shift the mess of your life. Now, I understand. Things have happened to you. Not your fault. I get it. Okay, I understand. But where you can trust and live in faith, God will help bring you through. And that's his desire. That's what goes back to relationship. That's what relationship's about. Him helping you in spite of what has happened. Amen. So blame shifting doesn't work. When, when you stand before Jesus someday, you can't drag somebody there with you and point your finger at him. It's going to be you and him. And he knows your heart. And I believe the grace is there in those moments to see. But yet, listen, where, where you have been convicted and where you have revelation of a way to go, he expects to go. Amen? So we need to respond. That's what obedience is about. But here's what I love about God in the midst of all of this. Let's go back to Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis 3 and, and, and uh, verse 15. Now, this is the middle of God judging uh, the, the serpent. And Genesis 3.15 puts a foreshadowing in here that's so important to this whole narrative. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And it's not talking here about snakes and ladies. He's getting to the spiritual side of this whole thing. For he, who's he? Who, who's he there right there? He shall, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who is he right there? This, this is a prophetic foreshadowing. Who is he? Jesus. Right there in the midst of all of it, he says, okay, I'm going to make a way to fix this mess that you've created here. And he right away in the beginning prophesied what's going to happen. was already laid in the foundation of the world. Jesus is going to come, and there's going to be enmity between the enemy and him. But, but I love then what happens then in verse 21. I just lost my page. Let me get back there. Okay, verse 21. Now, if you noticed before, Adam and Eve, in the shame of their nakedness, they, they made some, uh, some outfits, I guess, from, from leaves and stuff, right? But in verse 21, watch this. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Why is this significant? Well, where do you get garments of skin from? Animals. What happened? This is the first sacrifice we find in the Bible. The foreshadowing of how he who is to come will ultimately take care of this mess in his sacrifice. The very first, it didn't come with the Mosaic law. It came with right here, God took some animals in a sacrificial way, took their life, 
to cover the shame and the nakedness of Adam and Eve. There's a foreshadowing of the sacrificial system. It was Jesus then comes and brings it all to himself and fulfills. Amen. So God, hey, hey, where are you? Why have you done this? Did you really do what I told you not to do, right? Who's, who's telling you this? Is still the God of relationship and already sets forth the plan. But here's how we're going to fix it. Because I want to be with you. Ultimately, those questions come right back to that point. Question that I'm asking, what are we going to do about it? And God says, Jesus is coming. And I'm going to provide a way for you to overcome this sin and a world gone wrong because of flat disobedience. God has come to save us. And which I am thankful because, just like you, I needed saved. And when, when I, you realize the shame of your sin, you try to fix it by making your own garments out of the leaves, but it doesn't work. It's not sufficient. Try all sorts of different things. Look to different sources. And the whole time in the background, God's saying, hey, look at me. I know where you are, but where are you? I'm going to come walking in the cool of the day. You want to you talk? I want to be your source. Look, look to me. What are you saying? I've got freedom for you from this mess. If you want it, will, will you come in relationship and begin to obey me? Will you do that? Because he provides. And Jesus comes. Amen? So, if ushers, you come. We're going we're to close with uh, communion today. If the ushers will come and bring, bring the elements out for us. How many have ever felt like God is asking, where are you? Anybody? Anybody ever felt like that? God, where are you? Yeah, yeah. How many of you ever felt like God asked you the question, who's telling you that? Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah, I know a lot of people. Who's telling you that? Have you ever felt conviction in your heart and, and, and like you're being asked, did you really eat of that tree I told you not to? How many you ever felt conviction like that? Anybody? But yet, here we are. God brings in a certain way answer to all those questions. Found right here. That he makes, if you will, animal skins for us, sacrifice, to cover our shame, our nakedness. This nakedness that lies open for him because nothing's hidden from him. Amen. So we partake of communion as a church consistently because Jesus said to do so. He didn't tell us to do it on our set schedule. You got to do it one time a month. You got to do it every week. You just need to do this in remembrance of me. Because his sacrifice on the cross is the center of all that we believe.
Amen. So if you would like to partake of communion today, what I'm asking you to do, if you'll stand on your feet and come to the middle aisle and come down and, and grab the elements. And then go back to your seat and we'll, we'll partake together in just a moment. God is good, amen. And the greatest example of the goodness of God is found what's represented right here. God is good. Greatest example is right in your hand. He gave his body to be broken for us, which then the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. God is good. And many times that I felt like I've been deceived and gone along with the enemy. Doing things I shouldn't have done. Things that I know at this time were, are ignorant. <laughs> he still allowed me to come to the table and partake. God is good. Lord Jesus, help us. We need you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for delivering us from the many times you, you asked us questions and wanted to ask us questions. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for putting those moments behind us. Thank you for putting new life in front of us. Thank you. Lord, your body was willingly sacrificed on that cross for us, each one of us. For Lord, where there's personal accountability, you gave us the way to be righteous personally. Thank you for dying that death in our place. Thank you. For we remember your bodily crucifixion as we partake of the bread together. Let's partake.
Lord, for the many times that I would reflect on the wonder of your forgiveness, at times feeling sort of dumbfounded about it, like, is this really possible? I thank you that it is. And that, Lord, sometimes I can't even get my mind around it. I simply trust that's who you are. A good, wonderful, loving, forgiving God who makes the way out of our mess and makes the way out of the judgment for our sin. Thank you. For your blood covers us, it washes us, cleans us. And we remember the shedding of your blood on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins as we partake together, partake of the cup. Oh, Jesus. Just take a moment and thank him for what he's done for you. We worship you today, Lord. Thank you. So wonderful. So amazing. Thank you. Your name's high and lifted up in this place. We gather together in your name. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. You are so good. But before we close, if, if, if anybody's here today and you're like, I think God has been asking, where are you? If you're separated from him. There could be a lot of reasons why. I want to pray with you before you go. And I don't want that question lingering in your heart as you leave today. You, you need forgiven of your sins. You need saved. I want to pray with you. Maybe you've just been off the track somewhere. I don't know. Come home today, okay? All right? Come home today. So I'm going to close up. Don't forget 5 o'clock, youth tonight. Don't forget talking about the issue with, with Bill and Patsy on the ballot coming up right here, right when we're done. But while that's happening, if you want prayer for those things, I want you to come right down. Don't, don't be shy. Meet me down here. Let's pray, okay? Sound good? All right, everybody be blessed as you go today, but come down if you need prayer, if you want prayer. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.